This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and if this is your first Geekscape, well, strap yourselves in. We're going to be talking some geeky stuff every week. I like to sit down with a guest and talk about the latest news and reviews, maybe a project they've worked on. I like to sit down with creative people. Maybe they've made a comic book, or they're an actor in a movie, or a director, or they work in the video game field. Maybe they're musicians. We get all sorts of types, uh, all geeky here on Geekscape. So that's what you're in for if this is your first Geekscape. If not, we got a pretty damn good episode coming up for you. My good friend, Nate Quarry, who may or may not have been on a past Geekscape, is on the show. Now, Nate is a MMA fighter, a host, and a massive geek. I got to tell you, he's not just massive because his like biceps are the size of my head. Uh, he's literally one of the geekiest people I know, and he's got a fantastic story. Uh, I love telling it. I love talking to Nate about his story. And um, he's got this brand new project. It's up on Kickstarter right now. It actually started up uh, last week, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. And um, it's called Zombie Cage Fighter. It's a passion project he's been working on for about a decade. At least that's as long as I've been familiar with it. And you can get yourselves a copy right now. If you're watching this on video through YouTube or uh, Facebook or what else are we on? What, what else are we on? We're on the Twitch um, you can see me holding up a copy of Zombie Cage Fighter right now, and Nate was nice enough to sign it right there, Nate the Rock Quarry. Uh, and if you go to his Kickstarter, you'll see that every uh, issue of this handsome trade paperback is signed by Nate. And uh, i got to tell you, it is a damn awesome-looking book. Uh, we're going to talk about it here in a bit and uh, talk about how you can get your own copy of Zombie Cage Fighter and much, much more we're going to talk about here on Geekscape. want to check in with you all. Last week's Thanksgiving episode, a lot of uh, people either uh, were part of it live and watched it or sent me a lot of texts. I got a lot of messages and a lot of texts about the Thanksgiving episode, people saying they were really uh, grateful for the show <laughs> happening and, and talking about what we're thankful for. Uh, do we spend enough time being reflective 
on the show and talking about our like shared existence as geeks. Is that something that we're just wanting to do more in 2020 because of the extreme nature of this year and all the things that it's kind of put us through uh, from one disaster to the next? Uh, it seems like its own zombie survival uh, kind of precursor is 2020. We've all talked about a pandemic check, uh, crazy government powers check. Uh, everybody like trying to ration toilet paper and goods check. Uh, a lot of people who love guns stockpiling weapons check. It's got all of the uh, perfect uh, ingredients for a zombie story. I'm going to pause real quick because now is the time in the show where a beautiful woman brings me my coffee. <laughs> Heidi, if you're watching on this on video, say hi, Heidi. Hi. Um, Heidi is wearing one of our anti-racist oh, geek yeah. shirts. Look at that. That is a handsome shirt. It's purple for those that are just listening. <laughs> and I want to uh, mention, thank you, gorgeous. You're welcome. Uh, I want to mention real quick that we actually have a sale going on this week. Uh, it's Cyber Monday today, the recording of this. And if you go to our brand new Geekscape limited run sh- uh, website, there is definitely a link on Twitter, on our Facebook page. Uh, if you go and check out uh, some of our t-shirts, they're all 10% off this week. Uh, but you got to put in the promo code THANKS to get that 10% off. But we have all the shirts. We got the Heroes Wear Masks. We got the Don't Hate Create. We got the Super Action Man shirts. We got them in stock. So just a little plug for you since Heidi did such a good job of modeling our anti-racist geek shirts. So where was I? Um, really glad that the that the Thanksgiving episode did what it was supposed to do, which was cause you viewers and listeners to have a little bit of a reflection and think about what you were grateful for. I'm grateful for all of you. I got to tell you this past weekend though, after Thanksgiving, I had a great Thanksgiving, even though it was small and socially distanced and, uh, and safe. I fell into the biggest seasonal depression. Um, it started, I went on a trail run Saturday and then I like from that point on, I couldn't sleep that night. I got to tell you that Mandalorian episode was awesome. I'm not going to spoil it for you here. Please catch up on Mandalorian. Um, and it, and I, I'm glad because it got me to watch the Clone Wars. I started Clone Wars that night because I couldn't sleep. And I just started thinking like existentially. I had that existential angst. And you can't put a, a, like a, a finger on the seasonal depression. I usually do not get it. I usually, I'm usually like the happy-go-lucky person that you all believe me to be when you see me on social media or on Geekscape. But I fell into a depression Saturday night, and it lasted till Sunday morning. So it was pretty short, very, very acute. I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep. I watched Clone Wars. And maybe it's because my birthday is coming up, but I just thought to myself, like, what the hell is going on? Maybe it was the year just coming down on my head. Um, and I'll tell you how I got out of it. This is this is kind of insane. But I started preparing for the Geekscape shirt sale. And I went to storage to inventorize my shirts. And uh, Heidi also wanted to see if I had any Christmas ornaments. We're putting up the Christmas tree. And Heidi loves putting up the Christmas tree. I had not, I'll just be candid with you, Geekscapes. I had not done a Christmas tree since I got divorced. I hadn't done a Christmas tree in four or five years. And I had some resistance to the Christmas tree idea. But Heidi wanted to know if I had ornaments in storage. I think I had a Spider-Man one. <laughs> and so I went to, to storage and I wanted and I wanted to inventorize t-shirts so that I was ready for the sale uh, this week. And 
all the stuff that I had locked up in storage for four or five years, the stuff that in the complete flip of my life, I had just boxed up as rapidly as I could and put away and not looked at for four or five years. I'm in a new place. I've got a new live-in partner. She just brought me coffee and wore a Geekscape shirt. So maybe she's a keeper. Um, we were talking about maybe bringing some of these boxes out and opening them up. And so while Heidi decorated the tree Sunday, I started opening up two or three boxes that I got from storage looking for these damn or ornaments. <laughs> we never found the ornaments, but I, what I found was, you know, cause I was feeling pretty well with me that day. And like, what is all this about? Why am I working so hard? Why, you know, what, what about me? I started getting really me centric. Really me focus, which usually when you're doing badly, when you're when you're sad, when you're down, and you're dealing with seasonal depression or any depression, you know, you're really you can't see past your own nose. And the things in this box, these boxes, some were just I found 10 years of business cards from Comic Cons and E3s and Geekscape uh, events that these people don't have those jobs anymore. (laughs) All these business cards are worthless. And I don't even know why I kept business cards, but going over them, I remember half the people. Some of them are you. Uh, I reconnected with a handful of people. Um, And that was kind of cool. Just to see 10 years worth of people I'd met through Geekscape. And I found film awards that I'd boxed up and put away. I found racing medals for some of my favorite races. Um, I found old toys and statues and pieces of artwork. I found this Kevin Eastman signed Ninja Turtle piece that I'm going to put up on my wall. Um, I found all sorts of stuff in these boxes. And what I realized with the, was that these were parts of me that when it, the pain got so bad, I had just put in a box and put away. I just compartmentalized it. And maybe the last four years of it, you know, maybe that's what I'm really grateful for is that the last four years I got to a place of healing where I looked at the stuff and instead of being hurt by them, instead of feeling the burden of them or the pointlessness of them or triviality of them, I, I had gratitude for them. And I was able to have gratitude for the people that I'd met, the things that I had done the collaborations I had had with them, the things that we had built together. And a lot of that is right here on this show. I had a conversation with Matt Kelly just 30 minutes before starting the show about where we want our 2021 Geekscape goals to be. Who knows what 2021 will bring? We clearly didn't map out 2020 properly, but it's cool to not have that conversation just by myself. It's cool to have friends that I've made only through this little podcast that I started by myself. It's cool to have that family and be able to push forward with them. Cause as much as a woe is me little bitch that I was Saturday night (laughs) into Sunday morning. Let's look at the positive. I watched a ton of clone wars episodes and I went through a box of memories or two that really made me feel grateful. So I can talk about being grateful all I want on the podcast and all I want that whole week. I didn't really feel grateful until sometime last night. And by then, Heidi had put up the tree by herself and decorated it, and it was awesome. 
and maybe next year I'll have some ornaments. But this year, I'm just grateful for all of you. So thank you so much for listening to that. Uh, thank you so much if you listened to the episode last week and shared your gratitude with me. Because uh, that really was the best way to pull me out of the funk. All right. Let's get to the show. Bolt T, right off the bat, says, I'm pretty sure Nate Quarry is not his real name. That's a character on the Flintstones, I think. Okay, we're going to get to that. And luckily, we're not going to get to that with you and Nate in the same room because, damn. Uh, he also says, Heidi wears that shirt well. Yes. Yes, she does. Uh, she's she's a beautiful woman. Um, and Jason Elliott says, happy belated Thanksgiving. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you, Jason. I hope to see you at Comic-Con very soon. Uh, all right. Enough of the filibustering. Enough of the weep, weep, weepy personal stuff. But that's what Geekscape is. Uh, let's get down to it, my buddy Nate Corey. Uh, oh, yeah, real quick, I got to explain. Katie's not here today because she lost her internet. Uh, I don't know how. I'll pay her bills. I don't care. Uh, I love having Katie here. But just before the show, I asked Katie, are you joining us? And she wrote back, um, there's something going on between my landlord and the internet, and I'm not happy about this. And uh, maybe next week. So <laughs> Katie will not be joining us on the show. I'll do my best to supply the charisma and the humor that she does so well. All right. My buddy Nate Corey is waiting, and you do not want to keep this man waiting. Here he is. Uh, again, he's got this new, brand new book, Zombie Cage Fighter, that you can be a part of over on the Kickstarter or going to zombiecagefighter.com. But to tell you more about that, that's the man himself, Nate Rock Quarry. Buddy, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, and I'm not going to let you – I don't want to jump into all that quite yet because you just you just dropped some, some heavy, heavy emotions on us, and – I'm, I got to tell you, I think it was a week ago. I turned to my wife. I was sitting on the couch. I'm sure I was watching something Star Wars related or Marvel related. And I just looked at my wife and I said, and it was really hard for me to say, I said, I'm depressed. And I think it was the first time in my whole life I've actually spoken those words because Thanksgiving was coming. We weren't able to have any, any family over. It's my son's one year birthday this Friday. And again, we can't have a birthday party. We can't be inviting people over. And there's just so much discord, disunity, so much unhappiness throughout the country that the depression was was really hitting me. And it, it brings me back to my childhood where uh, I didn't have the most pleasant childhood. I was raised in an abusive cult. Uh, my love for comic books came from from that. That was my escape. And one of my favorite comic book stories is every day, seventh and eighth grade, I'm walking home from school. It's about a mile walk. Every day I stopped at 7-Eleven and I looked at the comic books. If I didn't stop at 7-Eleven, I came home too early. My mother would say, what are you doing home so early? Have you been staying out longer than you should? Now, if you're not home right at 3.15 every day, you're going to take a beating. Oh. So every day I'd stop at 7-Eleven and I'm looking at the comics and I'm, I'm buying what I can. And there was, and, and I was real big on getting the first issue because I wanted to know the whole story. X Factor number one came out. I and it, well. it, yeah. It, it blew me away, but it was a dollar twenty-five, and I could not afford a dollar twenty-five. So before it rotated out of the stock, I stuck it in the peachy folders in the back of the store, and I went on a hunt to find cans and bottles all around all around the town, until I'd saved up that dollar twenty-five and bought X Factor number one. And I remember running back home. I remember exactly where I was laying on the floor, reading this issue page by page. 
and seeing these mutants, these superheroes from my perspective, standing up for Rusty, the kid that couldn't control his powers, and then at the end sticking it to the racist hatred guy that called them in the first place to take care of this. And it just filled me with so much hope from being oh, so unhappy as a child, being bullied at school, being picked on, not just having an unpleasant childhood. And then fast forward to my life now where I'm making my own comic book and my wife put together this Kickstarter for it and we launched it Friday and the way it's taken off so much, my whole goal with Zombie Cage Fighter was to share this story. And what it really is, is my life, what I've been through as a fighter and at the time as a single father. And then I threw in zombies. So essentially, <laughs> Rocky meets the Walking Dead type of thing. But if you if you look at Rocky, people say, well, it's about boxing. Well, in reality, it's about some down and out loser who has one final chance to make something of himself. And even though he loses the fight at the end, he went the distance. He's not nothing. And with Zombie Cage Fighter, if you take away the MMA, if you take away the zombies, it's a father trying to provide for his little girl to give her a better life than he has had. And I think that's the story of, of every parent out there, that everyone wants to, to make it, uh, the world a better place for the next generation. And I'm so excited when people are, are supporting my book and they want to read my story because it, it's 100% out of my head. And it's it's just the most complimentary thing. It's the most satisfying thing. And seeing how many people immediately funded our Kickstarter, it, it just filled me with joy and I was over my my depression was able to to be somewhat happy again all the the crazy shit is still there in the world but uh, I got, <laughs> yeah. some, uh, I got a, a little glow of, of joy here what well, I mean isn't that the wisdom to know the difference it's like it's like change what you can to know the diff, you know and know the stuff that's beyond your reach and I quote that all the time change what you can accept what you can't and know the difference between the two yeah and I, I don't there was no trigger like uh, like honestly getting out on, on a trail run is usually the best medication I have and it's running is something I almost do daily um but it just didn't seem that that it just didn't seem like enough uh on Saturday and I think I'm coming down from a year where things are actually pretty good I love doing geekscape live with the geekscapists and everybody who uh, comments during the show or comments after the show or listens on the podcast, I just love having the audience. Um, financially doing well, professionally, things are actually really, really good. Um, and this beautiful woman in a Geekscape shirt brings me coffee sometimes. So there's like really not a lot to complain about, but I think that there's also like emotional fallout that comes from when you're working really hard and you're trying to be productive in your space as you have been, as you have specifically, Nate, with this Kickstarter, that mental bandwidth is not being preserved, right? Like you are working so hard to put your ideas out there. You are working so hard to promote them. You're working so hard to prepare for this Kickstarter stuff. And, it, and having done crowdfunding, it is a nine to five. And then so it's beyond a nine to five. You're, if your decision fatigue goes, if your brain and your ability to say enough is enough goes, like the heart and then your body follows, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I think that, that I set myself up for a depression, uh, even though it was a brief one. I, th I think I set myself up from that way by not, by not leaving the iron enough and just kind of 
letting go a little bit, taking the taking the pedal off, taking the the foot off the gas, if you will. Is that maybe what led to it? Is you just giving it all you got, and then, damn. I, I, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And then, I think one of the afflictions that I suffer from is I have this horrific thing called empathy. When I look at other people's lives, and no matter how great my life is, I'm like, wow, well, their life is is pretty sad and, and really sucks. And there's really not a damn thing I can do about it. And things are actually getting worse. Mm-hmm. And then you try to to tell other people about things that we should be concerned about, that we should be working to change. And they've been so blinded by whatever belief system that they have, that it's impossible for them to break out of that. And as I mentioned, being raised in a cult myself, it took a, a lot of effort to break that mindset because I'm being raised in a religious cult for the first 20 years of my life. Every single day I was at church three times a week out doing that. I was one of Jehovah's witnesses and I'm out uh, talking about their, their literature, everything, trying to bring everyone into that flock. So every day of my life, I had a certain conditioning, a certain programming and to overcome that took years and it took conscious effort in me accepting Okay, I'm unhappy. What things have I been taught that wasn't real, wasn't truthful? How can I change my life? So I know how difficult it is, but that doesn't make it any harder or doesn't make it any easier when I see this in other people. And I'm just I'm hitting my head against the wall saying, how can you believe these things? How can you think these things? It's black and white here. And it's it's just so distressing. So I'm just I'm very hopeful for the future that we can get back on track and and find things again. Yeah, I think we've talked about politics quite a bit on this show recently, and our last t-shirt drive over the summer Geekscape, is like the shirt that Heidi was wearing earlier when she came in, uh, those shirts, I wrote a check to the ACLU, all thanks to you, Geekscape, because there's going to be a lot of cleanup legally in this country. <laughs> you know, we, we've been ransacked a bit, and you're right. Um, you know, people were sold on fiction and people are sold on some pretty delusional things. And as a comic book fan, as somebody who just loves superheroics and video games, and we live in fantasy so much, but I think we live in fantasy as a form of a prism to the real world, as a way to look at the real world. And I think fantasy for us has been very valuable as that prism. And specifically, you're talking about X Factor, Chris Claremont, the writer of that X Factor number one, uh, you know, he also wrote you know, I mean, the classic X Men, but also, you know, beyond the dark, the the Dark Phoenix saga, he wrote God Man, God Loves Man Kills, which is a really big uh, X Men storyline where Reverend Stryker, who's this big mega church reverend, is all about anti mutants and killing mutants yeah. and how they're not human and how they're demons. And there's a criticism of racism and religion in there that I think young Nick. I mean, he also carried it into that X Factor number one. And I think young Nate, if any of the books were that I wanted him to find as he's in the midst of a cult controlling his life, it would have been that X Factor number one where the bullies were, sadly, if I can say this, the bullies were your family and friends in in some form of a social structure. Uh, in, in many ways, you're completely right, because as I've chosen to leave the cult and create my own life, I've been disowned by my family. I haven't seen my mother in 
nine years, I think. And that was when my, my daughter invited her to her sixth grade graduation. Well, she's a junior in college now. I, I don't remember. No, the she's not. Time. No, yeah. The, the girl with the no, the girl with the minish cap, who I hung out with at Comic Con like six, seven years ago. There's no way she's she is still the little girl that was wearing the minish cap from Zelda at Comic Con. You cannot yep. convince me she's in college. No. Yep, my perspective too. But I one one other story I want to share about my own love of comics is. For me, one of the greatest stories ever. And it's it's almost ridiculous. Marvel 2-in-1, the intergalactic boxer, comes to Earth and challenges Earth's superheroes to a boxing match. Do you remember this one? <laughs> no, but you're going to tell me about it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, it's it's. I, I don't know if he's a, a relation to the Beyonder or he has one of the Infinities or right. whatever he is. But they got to do it. Yeah, they got to fight. So he comes to Earth and he says, look, I'm going to destroy this planet unless you have someone here that can beat me in a boxing match. So all of Earth's greatest superheroes come and they go and train and they get ready. The Hulk is there. And every, the, Ben I mean, Grimm's got to be there. You got to have Ben Grimm. I'm getting excited. Okay, so it's the night of the big fight. And you have the intergalactic boxer, and he's just tearing through the superheroes. They don't know how to fight. They're, they're, they're just not good enough. The Hulk rips off his gloves and attacks him, and he's immediately disqualified. And the whole thing is about done. The guy's just like, look, I'm going to destroy the Earth. You're not worthy of existing. And then Ben Grimm shows up. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was a passive, you know, Fantastic Four fan. But Ben Grimm shows up and he puts on the gloves and he understands the sport and he's a brawler from back in the day and he breaks three of the ribs of the intergalactic boxer and the fight is on. Thing takes such a horrific beating. The intergalactic boxer punches him up into the sky. He falls down, falls through the ropes, falls through the, the mat. The referee comes in and says, look, uh, we have to repair the ring, but you, look, man, you can't continue any further and you're going to be killed. I can't let this continue. And the thing crawls up and he says, look, you've beaten my body, but you'll never break my heart. I will fight till I have nothing left. And the intergalactic boxer looks at him and says, any planet that would spawn one such of you is worthy of life. I spare the earth. That's so awesome. Uh, and I took, <laughs> I would take that comic with me to all of my fights and I would say, look, man, I started training when I was 24. If you started wrestling when you were five, there's nothing I can do about it. If you're better than me, so be it. You're going to win. But you will never break my heart. You will never beat me because I'm not ready and I don't give you everything that I've got. And a bonus on top of this story is Dexter's Laboratory did a spoof of this issue. Get out of here. Man. That is a deep cut. With Monkey Man and the intergalactic boxer is the intergalactic wrestler, wrestler, Macho Man Savage. Uh, I got to tell you, Bolt T in the comments is straight up just loving this because he says the character is the champion. It's his first yeah. appearance. He had the Power Thank Stone you. before the Infinity Gauntlet. I bought this book in the quarter bin as a kid. I and then he shouted out that Dexter Laboratory did yeah. do an homage to it. Yeah. And Macho Man Randy Savage voiced the champion. Uh, Bolt T is one of our best geekscapists on the live episodes. He said, this stream is worth the price of admission just for the X Factor number one story alone. Uh, Nate Corey is now my favorite <laughs> guest ever. Well, yeah. Nate is one of my favorite 
uh, ever. You remind me, like, do you ever follow like David Goggins online and stuff like that? Dave Goggins is the guy who was overweight and he joined the Marines and he went through like the hell week that with the Navy SEALs and all that stuff. And he's just a badass. I follow him yeah, with yeah. like distance running and the dude is just awesome. He just ran on Thanksgiving weekend. A buddy of his was like, I want to run 200 miles around Florida. I want to do a 200 mile race in Florida or just run 200 miles across from here to here in Florida. And I tried and I bailed at 121 last week and I'm going to give it two months and try again. And, and Dave Goggins was visiting him and said, well, let's lace it up right now, man. It's all about your mind. It's not about your body. And he's like, well, I, I need to like correct myself after 121. He goes, no, let's go right now and just will yourself through it. And the thing really is that best character for Marvel because he recently got married. Finally, Alicia masters and he got married in the books. Dan Slott, who wrote a pretty controversial story, Spider-Man story, uh, Spider-Man for a long time. He did the, the Doc Ock taking over Peter Parker's body storyline for Superior Spider-Man. So a lot of fans get, get kind of ticked with Dan Slott. But I love Dan Slott because he takes risks. And currently he's doing all sorts of great stuff with Fantastic Four. Uh, and he's like doing things with, where Franklin, you thought Franklin was a mutant, but then you find out that Franklin's just super powerful. And he had actually changed his DNA to think that you know, like Krakoa, the, the mutant island of Krakoa, thought that he was a mutant because he had just turned his cells into like mutant cells, but Cerebro is the only thing that was like, no, you're not a mutant. And it, and he, I mean, he's doing things with Franklin and Valeria and the members of Fantastic Four that are really cool. He had the most recent Hulk versus Thing fight where Hulk was on, or the Thing was on his honeymoon because he married Alicia and he has this band that he wears as a wedding ring and he couldn't um in for like 24 hours every year he can turn into ben Grimm, and so he takes alicia on the honeymoon and he's going to get busy because now he's human he can he's ben he's just ben Grimm again he's not the thing and during this 24 hour period the hulk shows up and it's the immortal hulk from the current storyline where the hulk cannot actually die the in this current storyline of the hulk geekscapist it is horrific. It's like a horror book. Like he's fighting grotesque monsters. He's getting destroyed. He's getting ripped into pieces. But every time the sun come, goes down and the moon comes out, the Hulk, tur- when night comes, the Hulk kind of tur- comes back to being the Hulk. Uh, and it's really a horror book. And he's fighting that version of the Hulk, which is probably the most powerful version of the Hulk. <laughs> and he's just trying to save people as Ben Grimm and get them out of the path of the Hulk, waiting his time knowing that he can't be with Alicia the second he turns to the thing, but it's worth it. And then he uses his wedding ring like a freaking, like he just pop, you know, he, he gives it all and he actually defeats the immortal Hulk and beats him up. And it's a pretty damn good storyline. I think that was a, about six months ago that that, all right, I'll put that on my queue on my uh, Marvel unlimited subscription, two, just a two issue storyline, the Hulk fighting the, the thing, the most recent version. Um, but there's a and lot I to be sh- said for that. Yeah, and I, there's a lot to be said for that Geekscapist when, you, when you're when you're feeling down. Next time you hear from me here on Geekscape, I'll be 42. I'll be one more year around the sun, a little bit of reflection. I think that fucks with your head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it fucks yeah. with your head. I think it I think it subconsciously forces you to say, and what do I have to show for it? And that can go good and that can go bad. And I think this weekend it was going bad for me until I and I joked with it with a friend. I was like, funny that the thing that sparked me out of my depression was going 
back and actually looking at things that I had boxed away after my divorce and like denied for four years, like of all the things that made me feel better. It was like, oh, let me just reclaim my life. And, and yeah. Nate, you told me I can't tell this story. So you stop me if you can't, if, if I can't tell this story. You made me swear. But the most down I've ever been in my life was after I got separated, I moved into a, a ratty apartment with a buddy of mine because I just needed a place to live. And I got a package in the mail from Nate, the rock quarry, the man you all geekscape is here and see here on the show. And you have a friendship with Mr. Randy Bowen, the guy who I- makes amazing statues. He made a zombie cage fighter statue. He makes amazing Marvel and just fan statues, Bowen designs, you know, Bowen designs geekscapists. And I opened this damn package. Tell me if you don't want me to tell you, tell this. Uh, I won't restrict you from it. And I open up this package and it's huge. It's hefty. It's heavy. And I'm like, what the hell did Nate send me? It doesn't seem like it's ticking. So I might as well open it. And I open this thing. And this is the only time I've ever told this story. It is a bronze. I can't imagine there are many of these things made. It is a bronze Randy Bowen daredevil statue that had a base. It's sitting right here just off camera on my display case. And it's the man without fear. It is a heavy bronze statue. It's got to be an expensive piece because all of Randy Bowen's stuff is expensive to me. And you just gave it to me. You just gave it to me. I think Randy signed the base. You gave it to me and he said, Jonathan, I know you're going through a tough time. I'm paraphrasing. And he said, but at Comic-Con a couple year, year or two ago, when you were here with, with me at Comic-Con, I saw you in the Super Action Man underwear running around. I knew you were fearless. <laughs> and I knew that you could do anything and you could still do anything. You're just going through a rough patch. So I give you the man without the man with no fear because you are a man without fear. I did not feel it at the time. And right there, opening this box and seeing this statue, I started to feel like this little spark in me. It'd be like, oh, there's an ember. You blew on the ember, Nate. You blew on the ember. You were like trying to relight the fire and it was working and it worked. And now now there's a hot girl in a Geekscape shirt bringing me coffee. Well, <laughs> I, it, it's funny because I, we all spend, I know I spend way too much time looking at my own life, my own decisions, things that I've done, <laughs> having so many regrets and so many doubts. And then I see someone like you who's having doubts and who is depressed. And I look at you and I'm going, what are you talking about, man? Your life is awesome. You're, you got your <laughs> shit together. You're educated. You're passionate. You you will wear Super Action Man costume and, and run around wearing a speedo. And, and I do not have the body you do. <laughs> I do not look as good in my underwear as Nate Corey does. And I remember seeing you in that. And I don't think I even knew you at the time. It was at ZombieCon. And I just looked at you and I said to the person I was with, that motherfucker's going to make it because he will go all out for what he believes in and what he's passionate about. And yeah, I'm, I'm good friends with Randy Bowen. And as he was uh, going through a bunch of his statues, I came across a daredevil and I said, I think my buddy, he needs this. This, this, this belongs with Mr. London. And, and yeah, so I sent it on down to you. Uh, Well, I moved in in July. Heidi was nice enough to have me move in with her. And is the first thing I put in here, <laughs> the Daredevil statue. Geekscapists who are watching, you can't see it, but it is here in the office. Next time you come to L.A., 
post COVID restrictions, you can yeah. come and see the day of little statue. Um, so let's talk a little bit. You got this comic book. I'm going to call it a trade paperback well, because it is a collection. What, what's that? I lost your audio for a second. Oh, but you're sorry back. about that. Sorry about that. Nate. That is what our backup is for, but you've got this, um, you got this zombie cage fighter and I've known you in zombie cage fighter, uh, since I've known you, as you said, at zombie con, which was 2010, 2011. So. Yeah. Right around that. That was, uh, my good friend, Ryan Ryder and I, we, put together he really ryan did it and we helped promote it he put together the the zombie convention in seattle and i look up and there's this guy who's going to be at the zombie convention promoting his zombie cage fighter this guy looks like the people who beat me up in high school and he's (laughs) and and i did not know that out of the entire convention of guests there was bruce campbell there was george romero there was max brooks and then there were tons of great fans uh, Brian Walton was there with me. Shane O'Hare was there one year. Out of everyone that I befriended that week, I'm going to befriend the guy who looked like the person who threw me into a locker in high school. Uh, what was that about? <laughs> that show was awesome. So my friend Hunter, she she kind of made that happen. We we got a table there. And I, if I remember correctly, all I had was a T-shirt a photo of me as a zombie and a sticker. And I sat there with the TV and I played uh, a DVD of my fights and people would kind of walk by and look at me. And, and one day, I think it was on Halloween, I put on MMA gloves and I dressed up as a, as a cage fighter. And one of the best things for that w- weekend was meeting Brian Walton with you. Yeah. Yeah. Brian was with yeah. me. Yeah. And so we go out after after the show one of these nights, and he tells me, and this is what I really I I love about him and I appreciate about him is he'll say something he'll say what he's thinking, and mm-hmm. I respect that about people. No matter how bad of an idea you might think it is at the time, he's going to say what he's thinking because he looks at me and he says, "Ma'am, when I first saw that you were on the list to be a guest, I was like, <clears throat> fuck that guy. Why is that MMA asshole that that <laughs> sports?" athlete guy gonna be here at our show this is our thing he can stick to doing his whatever getting sweaty and punching people but after hanging out with you you're just like one of us <laughs> and I started laughing i was like man i became a fighter because of my childhood because i was bullied and picked on and i was either going to become a raging drunk uh a drug abuser or i found fighting and that let me take my aggression out in a, a safe relatively safe. safe at least legal way brother you showed me a photo post fight where your face was so fucking swollen you looked like i mean dude you couldn't open your eyes your face you were like here's me post fight and you looked like you with a couple of gashes and you're like and here's when the swelling kicked in after 15 minutes and in just this 15 minute span you went from nate with like a couple cuts and bruises Two, you look like a fucking California raisin, dude. <laughs> you look like a California raisin who couldn't open his eyes. That's how swollen you purple you were in that second photo. You look like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger when he gets kicked out uh, on Mars in fucking Total Recall. It is it is his face is all fucking swollen and weird. Like that's what you looked like in that second photo. You're telling me that shit was safe. <laughs> so I prefer to think of it. As I was two-faced, if two-faced was 
horribly allergic to something. If Two Face was one face, half of his face was supposed to look like that. Your entire, no, your entire your head looked like that. Oh no, 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 no. So I, the picture you're referring to is it was after the fight. I stood in the mirror in the in the bathroom of the hotel, and I took a sheet of paper and I covered up the left side of my face, and I took a picture. Then I covered up the right side of my face and I took a picture. Looked like two completely different people because the whole left side of my face had been shattered. My nose was broken. My septum was broke. My cheekbone was broken so badly I could move it around my face. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a bad you one. You actually and, took your hand and moved your cheekbone around? Well, so... Yeah, that's not gonna, I mean, do you, you want to pop your fucking eye? Like, what? Do you want to hear the fight story? Hell yeah, I do. Okay. So I'm fighting. This is my my last fight in the UFC 2010. So 10 years ago, and I'm fighting against a guy named Jorge Rivera. Really bad fight for me. He's taller than me. He's got reach. Got really good boxing. He's been. He was fighting in the UFC before the days when I was just sitting at home watching the pay per views. In the first round, he hits me with a big right hand, doubles it up, and just shatters everything on the left side of my face. Drops me, keeps pounding me out. Oh, I've got a little visitor here. <laughs> it's a dog or a human? Oh, it's a human. It's a puppy with thumbs. Look at that. Hey, buddy. Uh, for those video viewers, uh, Nate's son is now, he's one years old and he's one now old on Friday. On Friday. He's, he's a birthday buddy like me. His birthday's on the fourth, my birthday's on the fifth, and he's now joining us to hear about how he almost didn't have a dad. Because. <laughs> So, and that happens in the first round. <clears throat> so in between rounds, you go back to your corner. The cut man's working on me and he takes a, a big Q-tip, shoves it up my nose with adrenaline to cauterize all the, the blood vessels that are bleeding and stitched around. And whenever he's done this to me, I've had my nose broken a lot. He, oh, uh, he always covers my mouth so I can't breathe. So I'm pushing away the rag so I can breathe. And he goes, brother, brother, you got to let me work here. Your nose is broken. <clears throat> And I had this this moment of clarity where <laughs> I just I just said to myself, man, you don't even know. Yeah, my nose is broken. My cheekbone is broken. My septum is broken. And this little voice inside my head just said, man, you should quit. When everybody sees how bad the damage is, they're not going to fault you for it. And then this big voice came over the top and said, if you quit on your stool, if you potentially end your career on your stool, you will consider yourself a coward until the day you die. So you're going to get up and you're either going to knock him out or he's going to knock you out. One of those two things has happened, but you're a fucking fighter. Get up and do your fucking job. And yeah. so I did. I got up off the stool and he TKO'd me quickly in the second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but... The stories don't always end with the good guy getting the knockout. <laughs> Let me hand this off real quick. Is he not a good guy, though? Or he's awesome. No, he's a yeah. great guy. Good yeah, guy. He said, just shot the side of your yeah. face. Uh, but as I'm standing there, I said to myself, you know, in a year or so, you won't be able to tell. They'll put me back together. But if someone beats me, and I've lost, my record is 18 and four, so I've lost four fights. But no one ever broke me. No one ever broke my heart. You're doing better I, than Nate Robinson, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch that? I, I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As an NBA fan, I just kind of poked in and was like, let's see how Nate Robinson does in his back boxing match. And I was like, no, never mind. 
but it, it, to me, that's that's why I have a big phoenix here on the on my right arm because over and over again throughout my life, whether it was my childhood, my previous employment, oh, my father died 18 years ago, almost to the week. And I was 30 years old at the time. I was working in construction, but I was unhappy. And I went with my father to pick up his final paycheck at 62 and he was dead three weeks later. Wow. And I I looked at my life and I said, I'm not going out like that. I'm going to chase down my dreams. I'm, I'd been fighting MMA for a while, took my first fight at 26. Now it's four years later. I think the most I'd ever made was like $500 in some small show. But I said, you know, the worst case scenario, if I take my shot is I fail miserably. And then what? I'm right back where I am right now. So why not take my shot? And at least when I'm 60, I'll know. I took my shot. I, I wanted to see what would happen. And and the day after my father died, I actually had a fight in Richmond, Virginia, where I was out there. And like I said, I spent the last three weeks with my father preparing for the passing. But I had to tell my mother, look, I'm contracted to, to go fight. This is how I pay my bills. So I said goodbye to my father for the last time, went out there, made weight on Friday, got word that my father had just passed away. And then Saturday night, I was fighting main event as usual against somebody with three times as many fights as I had four inches taller than me. And I took out that previous three weeks of emotion on that opponent. And I finished him in the first round, snapped his arm and I ran around the ring, just screaming my head off. And it just so happened that there was one guy in the crowd. Joe Silva was his name, the matchmaker for the UFC. And he came up to the ring and he said, so we've got this thing called the Ultimate Fighter, some reality show that we're going to do, and I'm going to keep your your name in mind for it. And I always thought about that, how, <clears throat> how seeing how much that impacted me, seeing my father die at 62 with nothing to his name but debt and regret, uh, and, and going with him to pick up his final paycheck at a job that he didn't enjoy, and then being passing away three weeks later. And how many people, they stick in 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 a job that's not rewarding that they don't enjoy relationship that they don't enjoy. That's not rewarding because people are so afraid of this failure. And I just said, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to go out. And if the worst case scenario is I fail, so be it, but I'm going to mm-hmm. take my shot. And I did fail. I failed over and over again. One of it, one of the greatest highlights of my life is fighting for the world title, the middleweight championship for the UFC. And it ended in one of the highlight knockouts of the UFC. They played it at the start of every UFC pay-per-view for years, me getting knocked brutally out. And I have that poster hanging on my wall right there to remind myself every day. I came from nothing, and I made it all the way up to a title shot in the UFC. And there's literally nothing special about me. I wasn't born outrageously athletic. I wasn't able to train as a kid, nothing like that. I just saw something, I wanted it, and I just went after it. And I think that's what we all can do. And and I said it after my, my comeback fight. So after I got knocked out in that fight, it was 22 months to my next fight because I had a spinal fusion. My back completely gave out on me. I had to get this back surgery that everyone said, if you get this, you'll never fight again. You'll never be able to even pick up your, your daughter at, at the time. She was five years old. Forget about it. Just live with the pain and kiss your dreams goodbye. And I said, I can't because that, that's what it will be. It will be waving goodbye to all my dreams and living in pain for the rest of my life. I would rather die on the operating table. Then, then see that happen. 
And 15 months after that surgery, I was back in the UFC and I fought a brutal war in a rematch against a guy named Pete Sell. And he beat the shit out of me for two rounds. He dropped me in the second with a big right hound and I popped right back up. And in the third round, I looked across the ring and I saw him and I just said, man, if I don't finish you right now, this was all for nothing. And I ran across the ring and I hit him as hard as I possibly could and knocked him out. And it was this huge weight that was lifted off of me. And the speech that I gave after that was, man, it doesn't matter how you were raised or who you were told you were supposed to be. You can make your life whatever you want it to be if you believe in yourself. And that's my story. And that's what I like to convey to people, whether it's with my, my zombie cage fighter comic book, my fighting career, or how I choose to live my lifestyle. That you've got enough people in the world that are willing to tell you you're, you're nothing. You'll never be anything. Don't listen to them. Listen to the one person that believes in you, even if it's just yourself, because that's enough. That's what worked for me. Nate, do you do you think? And this is this is weird, but uh, tell me if it's weird. Um, if your father had not, you know, if he had had something beyond that job that he didn't like, and again, he died three weeks after collecting a paycheck to a job that he didn't like. Do, I mean, did his body just say, what's the point? Like, what, like he may have been sick. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances of your father's life, but I think that it is important because you do hear those stories of people that like when their wife dies or their significant other dies that they spent their life with, they don't last that much longer. Do you think that without those goals in front of you, without those aspirations in front of you, that your body just checks out? Yeah, I really do. And I've thought about it many times. <clears throat> so my, my grandfather, my father's father, beat the holy shit out of him as a kid. And and that was just kind of generationally how it was. And then my father took out probably 90% of that abuse. But and and he told me you. took out he, he was able to he probably only carried over 10-15% of the abuse that that he he had received. So it's huge progress. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. wasn't what I'm trying to do with my children, and I'm sure that they'll talk about the horrible things that I've done as a, as a parent as well. Nate, you just brought your kid on Geekscape. <laughs> He's not even a year old. I would consider bringing them on Geekscape abuse. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't sign a release or anything. You know? He, he, you know what? He, you were just like, here are the wolves, kid. Here are some geeks. Uh, I, I, I look at my father's life, and so not to get too remorse or deep, but we knew he was going to die for a while. His bone marrow quit producing red blood cells. So over time, your, your blood cells die off and he just was started fading away. <clears throat> so a few months before we knew that the end was imminent, he came to, to kind of bequeath us his belongings. And out of the four kids, only two of us were there, which is sad enough as it is, but he had a cardboard box <clears throat> and he even said, I really don't have anything to give you. This is just junk things that I've gotten from garage sales, but a father should give their kids something. And then he, he kind of took a deep breath and he cleared his throat and he said, and I want to tell you, you know, the way that I raised you and the things that I did and I wasn't the best father. And he started to go in on this, this speech, this talk about all the things he'd done wrong and all the mistakes he'd made. And I looked at him and I said, Look, stop. I'm not going to let anyone badmouth my father, not even my father. Everything that you did, you did out of love. You did the best you could with what you had. That's enough. And for me, that was my way of forgiving him all the things that he had done, all the times that he had fallen short. 
and it, it helped me to to process things and and live more forgiveness and and be able to move on with my life and to be a, a better father, to be a better man and not carry that burden with me. And that's that's all too often what we do. We we remember those things from childhood uh, that we need to be able to let go. And it's much easier said than done, but having forgiveness, it really is more for yourself than for the other person. But in this case, I didn't want my father to to go to his grave thinking that he should have done better. We were holding some kind of resentment against him because again, we, we all do the best we can with what we have, what we've been given. And who could say I would be any different if I wasn't raised exactly like him, if I didn't have his life. Yeah. Hurt people hurt people, I think is what yeah. we say, right? It's yeah. like a cycle of abuse that manifests itself because that is the cage with mentally and emotionally in which you've been raised and you cannot see beyond that cage. Sometimes the lack of trust that's been built in your support structure of family and friends, there's no trust. You you don't trust that there's something beyond that cage of abuse. Mm-hmm. So you never leave it. And yeah. you, and, and, and it is such a lonely place. Perhaps you bring people into it with you through force and through. So, you know, if, if I'm going to suffer, I'm not going to suffer alone. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't, I mean, I'm not a fucking psychologist. So I just talk about geek shit, but I'm just trying here, Nate. Like you're such a dude. I just love talking to you, man. And uh, the geeks gave us can feel the bro love between us. I Damn think. right. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the book. Let's do it. I give it a three. Out- I'm kidding. Oh <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I remember that. I'm just messing. Okay. So I have notes on page four. Five. There, no, okay. Uh, I actually I got the book in the mail last week. I have not had a chance to open it yet. I mean, I've opened it. I've got, listen. I've I've read the I read the Ashcan. I flipped through it this weekend. I enjoyed it, but listen, I've been reading parts of the book. Have I finished it? Well, there's a spoiler on the last page that I flipped to. I wish I hadn't. But listen, Geekscapus, I don't need to read it to tell you that the book is quality. Because I just told you the breakdown of Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, all the books I love, and I'm putting this book right there with it. Okay? Zombie Cage Fighter. I don't need y'all to know what I think of the book. I love it, but I'm incredibly biased because Nate Quarry is like a damn brother to mine to me. What I need y'all to do is I need y'all to go to the Kickstarter through zombiecagefighter.com and I need y'all to support it. You got that? This is what I want you to do. I want you to support Zombie Cage Fighter. Their Kickstarter has already reached their $5,000 goal. I will just tell you right now, Nate, it is a modest goal. The $5,000 was a modest goal because I think you're going to raise a lot more than that. You burst through your goal, but I think we got to start talking about stretch goals. I think we got to start talking about like getting this thing into stores when the pandemic is over and actually getting it like into comic book stores because it's a damn good quality book. It's better than a lot of the major publishers put out. And I'll tell you, because I read them, uh, I think that this book is awesome. And again, it's it's a it's a book not just about zombies, not just about cage fighting. It's a book about a dad trying to support his daughter the only way he knows how. And it just so happens that he's smashing zombies in the process. And it, so, it really is. It, it's based on my life. It's it's things that I've gone through as a fighter and as a father when my daughter was in third grade. She was getting picked on at school. And so I went to school and just introduced myself to some of the bullies. Wait, what? Tell that story again. 
How old so, is your daughter? So when my daughter was in third grade, uh, she wasn't going to the best school. This was before I was able to get custody of her and put her in a better school. She wasn't going to a good school and she was getting picked on all the time. Uh, and she was very proud of me. She was telling these other kids who I was and they didn't believe her. So they were making fun of her. So I happened to, to be cruising around that area. I had just picked up a buddy of mine who just got back from Afghanistan. We both looked like a couple of gangsters. My buddy's like six foot four, shaved head. So, and it just so happens to be recess when we show up. So she runs over and gives me a hug. And I said, so now where are these boys that have been bothering you? And she points at one and he's gone like a shot. So she (laughs) She goes up to the teacher on the playground and the playground teacher looks at me, smiles, calls the boy over and has him come over and talk to me. So I stood there towering over this nine year old. And I said, do you know who I am? And he nodded his head. And I said, good, that'll make this a lot easier. I want you to know this is my daughter and I love her very much. And it does, it does bother me a little bit to hear that people may or may not be picking on her, but I'm sure from now on, that's most likely going to stop, isn't it? And he nods his head and I said, that's good because I'd I'd really like us to be friends and know that you're on my side. And he nods his head and I shook his hand and I said, I'm I'm so glad we could have this conversation, Noah. And boom, he was gone. I know your name. (laughs) (laughs) So I squatted down and I gave my daughter a hug and I said, I fight so you don't have to. And that's one of the scenes in the comic that I am so proud of that, that I put in there. And so like, we'll talk about the fictional world of this. Cause I listen, I mean, no offense. I don't think you can convince some of the geekscapists that zombies don't exist. Um, you have, why zombies? Why not just tell a story traditionally? Like, you know, why not just tell the story of having to, you know, UFC MMA, that's all really popular. Why not just tell the story of, and I didn't want to tell the rock story for the thousandth time guy shows up, beats people up, does well for himself. It's, it's been done to death. Uh, and, and me being such a, such a comic book fan myself, I wanted to tell my story with some flair. And after practice, believe it or not, a lot of the MMA guys, <clears throat> they're just nerds at heart. They're geeks. And so we're sitting around. We're just kind of brainstorming, talking shit about superheroes and, and this and that. And I start thinking, well, what would a cage fighter, how would a cage fighter do in that world? Who could he compete against? Who would be the most realistic thing that he could go against? And obviously no superhero, a werewolf would be difficult, but zombies, to me, fighting a zombie is like fighting someone with a knife. No matter what else they do to you, you have to beware of that knife. Make sure you don't get stabbed. So with a zombie, you have to make sure you don't get bit, no matter what else goes on. So they're not going to be knocked out. They're not going to tap out. You have to break the mechanism. And our body is really, it's just mechanical. If you grab my finger and you bend it the wrong way, I tap out. I say, please don't break my finger. If you do, my finger doesn't work that well so much anymore. Well, we don't deal with fingers in MMA. We deal with elbows, with knees, with shoulders, uh, face cranks, neck, neck breaking, those types of things. Uh, and, but people always tap. Now, in the zombie cage fighting world, they're not going to tap. So it's a matter of breaking them down so they can continue the fight. And as I was scripting this out, I made sure I wanted every fight to be realistic. I wanted every fight to be bigger and better as the as it went along. 
I was able to get two of my fan favorites, friends of mine, Dwayne Bang Ludwig, who for a time had the fastest knockout in UFC history. Uh, Josh Barnett, he was the UFC heavyweight champ for a while, one of the most underrated MMA heavyweight fighters of all time. They're both in it. And I want to give a bit of a spoiler alert because this is something that I thought was really cool. You better not say Baby Yoda's name. Some of us have not caught up. Grogu. Grogu. <laughs> you saw. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I have uh, Dwayne Bang Ludwig in a, uh, a zombie cage fight. But I added a little twist to it. And I'd never seen this anywhere else. You know, and, and so in the zombie cage fight world, it's pre-apocalypse. Every zombie movie I ever saw was always post-apocalypse. There's a billion zombies. There's a handful of humans. Uh, shit gets old after a while. What about if there's a pandemic that's kind of raging and people are treating it like it doesn't even really exist? The government uh, may be kind of denying it, that kind of stuff that rings any bells. So these less scrupulous people start holding these underground zombie cage fights. And for an old washed up fighter like myself, who's still trying to provide for his little girl, that's the opportunity I need to make my, my final dream come true, which is to make sure my little girl doesn't have a life like mine. So, so your everyone- character enters the ring against a fucking not uh, unstoppable or on unstopping, non-stopping. It's yeah. not going to stop. Uh, undead killing machine. And so when I got uh, my buddy Dwayne Bang Ludwig's permission to put him in the book, I told him, "Look, man, it's going to be a brutal fight. I want to make sure you're on. You're okay with this." And he said, "Well, how bad can it be?" And I said, "Well, I've never actually seen uh, a fight like this in any zombie movie I've ever seen where." It's a hand-to-hand match where you're fighting four zombie children. You know, 10, 11, 12 years old who are starving. And all they want to do is eat you. And the cage door opens and all four of the kids come running out. And the way that he has this dispatch of them is just amazing. Was Noah a part of that inspiration? Your little friend from the uh, playground that... Had made things a little more miserable for your daughter at school? I did name one of them Noah, so maybe. Maybe that was a subconscious thing. Oh, subconscious. Okay, let's go with that. Let's go with subconscious on that one. Uh, Geeks gave us the book again is Zombie Cage Fighter, but let's talk about the Kickstarter because, like I said, the Kickstarter hit its goal pretty quickly, as I predicted it would do, knowing uh, just how good the product is. So I'm going to bring the uh, for you. uh, Hold on. Uh, sorry about the Geekscapus. I uh, dropped out of the studio. Oh, I'm going to show you the uh, the Randy Bowen statue. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, Nate, I'm going to bring up the Zombie Cage Fighter Kickstarter. I think uh, StreamYard dropped me there for two seconds, but I'm back. Um, show us that statue, actually. You had it. So, so, as I mentioned earlier, I'm friends with Randy Bowen, and he just incredibly offered to make a zombie cage fighter statue for me a few years ago. And this is probably the most limited Bowen statue ever because I could only afford to get 100 of them made. And so, yeah, it's, it's one of the reward tiers on our Kickstarter. Uh, You can get the statue for, boy, I forget the price. Uh, Let me see. I've got it here. Um, so Geekscape is, I'm at zombiecagefighter.com. It leads you to the Kickstarter. 
for Zombie Cage Fighter. And right now, you're $575 over your goal. You got 69 backers, but you also have two months left to go. You have 56 days left to go. Uh, there's all sorts of cool rewards. There's a book. There's an issue zero. There's an ash can. There are some really cool Zombie Cage Fighter t-shirts. Um, but let's see the reward for the statue. That is a $260 incentive. Yeah. So the $260 gets you a copy of the, the graphic novel, gets you the statue signed by myself. And then we have one more on top of that for 360 and limited to only 10 is signed by myself and Randy Bowen as well. And man, I can't tell you again, I, I'm just geeking out about it because this is, I met Randy 20 years ago at a Comic-Con as a fan. And then a few years ago, I was uh, friends with a, a, a worker at Leica Studios. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with this guy, Randy Bowen. You should probably meet. I think you guys had hit it off. I was like, hell yeah, I know Randy Bowen. So it's been just a dream come true to have an actual Randy Bowen statue of my creation. Now, listen, Nate, if I get married and then divorced again, will you just send me a statue? Uh, well, you didn't learn your lesson, so <laughs> I'm moving to the tough love phase of our relationship. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. So, all right. So, so I only get one of those. I only get one of those uh, divorce statues. <laughs> get well soon, pal statues. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I think, I think that's right. I think you got to. Okay. Notes of self. Let me write that down. Jonathan, Nate will not give you another statue if you fuck up again. Listen, I'm going to fuck up in a lot of ways. I'm hoping that's not a way that I fuck up again. So, uh, Geekscapists, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to zombiecagefighter.com. I want you to click on the Kickstarter link. And you know what? You can spend some time on zombiecagefighter.com. You can take a look at some of the uh, artwork that's on there. You can take a look at some of the t-shirts that are incentives on some of these uh, different levels of the Kickstarter. But ultimately, I want you to go to Kickstarter, and I want you to at least pledge to get a copy of the book. You know what I mean? Because it is a, a pretty handsome book. And all you really got to do to get the book is um, pledge, let's see, 25 bucks. If you want a PDF of the book, it's 20 But let me just tell you, it's signed if you just throw five more dollars in it. So I want, you to pledge, yeah, I want you to pledge at least 25 bucks and get the copy of the book. So if you pledge 25 bucks, you get a copy of the Zombie Cage Fighter book. And it is awesome. Uh, who did the artwork on this thing, Nate? Travis Kotzebue. And man, I cannot say enough good things about him. He was just a pleasure to work with. And if you knew my journey, trying to find the right artist was very difficult. Uh, and then Travis kind of came into my world, recommended to me by David Walker. And Travis was just so professional, so passionate. Any notes I had, he was he was listening on a great schedule. He overs- oversaw the entire project. He was my art director as well as my artist. Just phenomenal work. And I, I don't want to pass up the cover either because that's an actual painting by Alex Horley. I was at San Diego Comic-Con, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Frazetta, just like everyone else. And I'm wandering around San Diego Comic-Con, looking for Zeta-like artists, and I find Alex Horley, and I'm thumbing through his sketch pads, and I pulled out a couple of his original sketches, and I said, hey, how much is this? And he quoted me a ridiculously low price. I was like, well, geez, give me a few of them because these are just amazing. And we started talking, and I talked about Zombie Cage Fighter and this and that and the other, and he said, you know, I'd, I'd really love to do a cover for you. 
And so he did just, just a phenomenal person to work with, just a phenomenal artist. And I now have that painting hanging in my home. And again, this is, well, I've got my Randy Bowen statue. I've got my Alex Horley painting. I've got Travis Kotzebue uh, drawing my book. I've got Jamie Rich helping me flush out the script. The team of artists that came together for this were, were just incredible. It really is. It's a group project. They, they made me look good. Well, Geekscape is again, go to zombiecagecutter.com and go ahead and click on that Kickstarter link. And if you drop just $25 on this thing, you end up with a, a, a the book physically, a copy of this book. Um, you know, I think that it, just $5 between the $20 PDF version of this book and the $5 that'll get you a physical copy of the book, totally worth it. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of physical media. Maybe I'm the person who still collects the vinyl records and y'all are going to make fun of me in a few years when things go digital, but I still get print comics every week. Um, it's just something that I do. And so now that you've hit this goal, Nate, you've passed your $5,000 goal. Like, What are some stretch goals that you might be picking up here in the future? Because you can still augment. I mean, who knows how high this thing's going to go? You guys hit your freaking goal in three days. Well, so when I was discussing this with the artist, Travis Kotzebue, because he would he would draw he would finish a single issue and then I would do a small ash can edition of it for like Rose City Comic Con that I'd be doing here in Portland. And then it came time that he was getting ready to finish the series and I, I asked him, Well, do you think I should do individual issues or should I just do a graphic novel? And he asked me just a, a very clear question that that answered it for me what's your goal with this? And I said, well, my goal has always been the same for people to read my story and hopefully enjoy it, hopefully escape into this world for, for a time. And he said, well, the best way to do that is to make sure if somebody wants it, they get every issue with a graphic novel. So I said, awesome. So my goal all along has been to sell a thousand copies through the Kickstarter and just know that a thousand people out there are reading my story. That to me is just, it's just the best thing because I, I, I never really had a story that I wanted to tell. And as Zombie Cage Fighter came to me and putting my own life, my own emotions, the journey that I've been through, the sacrifice that I've made. And in 2012 is when we did issue zero. And it was, it's essentially a snapshot of what the world is. And it's available as a reward on the Kickstarter as well. <clears throat> the whole thing was, does anyone else think this, this, this story is cool besides me? And the complaint I got every time was, When's the rest of the story coming out? I said, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to go for it and, and make this happen. And to that, so with the issue zero, when I printed that out using API Print Productions, phenomenal company to work with, I got to tell you, here in the United States, so it's locally done, I did 5,000 copies of, of issue zero. <clears throat> A lot of those I've sold at, at MMA gyms when I do seminars. So they were grabbed by sweaty hands. Very few of those are in mint condition left. I, I don't know. How many <laughs> have been graded. I know I've got a few that have been graded, mm -hmm. but we did 100 copies of an alternate cover. And I didn't even get all hundred copies. I only got 50 because I made a deal with the printer to where he got 50 and I got 50. I've held on to, I think 49 of those since 2012 because I'm the collector that I am. I think I gave one away to Blair Butler, who helped me write the script for that mm -hmm. issue. Uh, 
So I'm, I have some of those as a reward tier on Kickstarter as well. And it's really cool to me to see people are, are scooping up that reward because that everyone that goes out, I'm going to be shedding a tear because I won't have it anymore, but I'll be super excited that someone else who appreciate it, appreciates it is going to have it. You just need one. Well, you only, you need two. You need one to put in the safe and then one for your grubby hands. That's Let me it. explain. Let me explain. I think so, I have two issues of Super Action Man left. I have two issues of my Miami Vice trade paperback left. And so I, I'm I think walking that's what through, I got. I'm walking through a Comic Con with a buddy of mine, and I come across a Star Wars table, and I have probably ninety percent of all the original Star Wars action figures, the things that I had a kid as a kid, but then was forced to get rid of because of the cult once again. But the I'm looking being your religious upbringing. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> But I see this stormtrooper and it's just mint and it's got its gun. And I go, oh, my God, look at that stormtrooper. I've got to have that. And my buddy looks at me and goes, don't you have like a dozen of those already? And I went, but I don't have that one. I don't have that one. You're That's like fucking Smeagol with the ring, dude. Like you got you to gotta chill, man. Yeah, like I think what you're talking about is an illness. Like, I mean, no offense, but you were raised by a cult. You sure you're not just swapping addictions here, pal? I got to be honest with you. When the Star Wars, everything started re-releasing in my early 20s, I went batshit crazy. Yeah, during the special editions, I I totally remember. Everything. And I had boxes and boxes and boxes and cases. And I'm I'm like 23, 24 years old with a dozen boxes And you can't afford that shit at 22, 23 years old? No, no, no. You were working construction, homie. Yeah. And then, and then finally I kind of looked at everything and I took a deep breath and I went, okay, I, I think that was enough therapy. I, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just now like merging Heidi and I's stuff over the summer and this last month or two, uh, I mean, I have a storage unit. It's all my comics are in the storage unit and a lot of the stuff that I still haven't integrated. I'm just like, where, where am I even going to put this stuff? Uh, and it, you know, I got to tell you, I live in LA and real estate prices aren't great, but it will motivate me to buy a house. <laughs> it will motivate me to, uh, to get out of an apartment into a house. If only to put all the geek stuff in one place where maybe I can organize my comics for once <laughs> instead of just be like, here's the box from this three month period. And here's the box over here. And I should really integrate those boxes together and have them all in order because OCD works that way. Um, but I think it's awesome that you have your own book, man. I think it's huge. Um, you know, and let's freaking keep moving this thing, you know, beyond just comics. I think this is a very cool Hollywood idea. I think this is a really cool limited series idea. This is something that would make obviously a fucking awesome fighting game. Let's not lie. You, I know you've had daydreams about this turning into a freaking fighting game, like final fight or something like that, where you're just smashing them up. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I was trying to get, uh, get it put into uh, left for dead. Uh, No, no such luck. I am a zombie in left for dead too. So if you played that, you've probably killed me a few thousand times. Oh, I've slaughtered you pal. <laughs> I mean the zombie thing, I don't think that especially with our own political, social, cultural obsession currently with our own survival, because as our environment falls apart, as our population continues to rise, as we continue to, to kind of push 
a lot of countries are going towards nationalism and tribalism in some sense. I think that there's definitely a level of tribalism in every side, like zombie movie where it's like, we can't trust them. And people kind of turn into their own little tribes and their own little packs. I think that um, the zombie thing right now may have given way a little bit to um, a little bit more of like the boys or other type of like, you know, the fandom of, I think people want violence, but I think they, right now the violence is kind of pushed towards a more alien superhero level. I think zombies will be back in no time. And there's in zombies always have, as your Kickstarter is proving right now, zombies always have a tried and true audience right there. You know, it always has that built in audience. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And to me, it, it's always funny to hear about, well, this movie genre is hot right now, or this one is hot right now. And from my perspective, it's always been, you tell a good story and it's hot. It's when everybody kind of tries to glom onto it afterwards. One of my favorite rejection letters about Zombie Cage Fighter was somebody telling me in writing, <clears throat> nobody cares about zombies, that genre is dead, pun, pun intended. Uh, it, it, it's just over with. And my response was, well, somebody better hurry up and tell AMC because they're starting this show called Walking Dead and y- you better you better wisen them up. And that was actually in like 2009, 2010 before Walking Dead had come out. You did that. And these, man, I will tell you off air all the silly Hollywood stuff <laughs> that we deal with on a daily basis where I'm like, wait, they said what? Um, it's not exactly Nostra. You know what? We got Nostra dumbasses out here. Is really what it is, and people just don't want to risk anything. And now, The Walking Dead is a three-show franchise on TV, and it continues to garner uh, viewership, even if a lot of people have no longer watched it, it. It's undeniable that it is a TV like powerhouse. It's undeniable that there will be zombie movies in the future, and it's undeniable that currently zombies are a trend in video games as much as, you know, there's, there's still zombie additions to call of duty and still zombie additions to some of these, you know, uh, battle Royale style games that are coming out. There's still zombie additions. So zombies are still very much a thing. And, you know, I know that you're vocal politically, I'm vocal politically. uh, And if we just, I think that our mortality is something that as a culture, as a society, globally and locally, we're going to be thinking about these things for a long time. And the zombie, as I said earlier, is the prism through which I think we see, we see those things most effectively and talk about our own mortality in an effective way without really talking about it literally. Cause that would be too much. And we would all just kind of be like, wait, when the icebergs melt, we're going to do what? <laughs> and then you just can't take it anymore. I think people need the distancing of fiction that zombies provide for that kind of stuff. It was the thesis of Doc of the Dead, the, the documentary we made, at least my thesis. And and I think Alexander, the director, saw that as well. Um, Nate, dude, I clearly could talk to you all freaking night because you're a homie and a brother, and I hope you are doing well. I love seeing your expanding family. I think you were engaged when I saw you last. So congratulations on not just the marriage, but the lockup of having the child with her. Like, that was a good move, homie. That was a good move, man. She's not going anywhere. He is such a handful. It, it takes two people to raise that boy. That was a good move. You were like, okay, I married her, but now I got to get some insurance on this thing. Mm-hmm. So you went and got a kid. I think that was a good move. <laughs> so, yeah. Congrats oh my on that. 20 years apart between my daughter and this one. Oh, my God. I'd forgotten how much work this is. 
but <laughs> yeah, what's up with you, man? Like, you didn't but, do that right. You got <laughs> you sent your babysitter off to college, man. What were you thinking? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I cannot believe that your daughter, who I last saw at Comic Con in the Minish Cap hat, is now at college. Uh, I can believe though that you are on you. Uh, fatherhood again because you are not someone to shy with challenges and dude you're as inspiring to me as I hope the Geekscape is find you on the show because dude I just love it. I mean having you like you're on your way to having like a four hour episode if I if I don't <laughs> stop now <laughs> awesome uh, Geekscape is you can follow Nate on Twitter or social media at Nate Rock Corey um, that is his handle I'm very opinionated on Twitter I will have I will have a conversation with anyone that has respect uh, if you don't, then I'll just mute you so I don't have to listen to you. But I, I definitely have my opinions on Twitter. I usually back them up with facts. No, I think you should do the no method and just show up to the person's doorstep and be like, excuse me, uh, on October 30, you uh, tweeted at me uh, this, and I want to be your friend. I would like to think that you're on my side. Can we be friends? Wasn't that and- uh, uh, James Holland Bob Strike Back? <laughs> yeah, where they show up to everybody's house and beat them up. Oh, I'm th- I mean, you're not going to necessarily beat them up if they don't agree to be your friend and on your side, Nate. Oh, of course not. Yeah, no. Not with those issues. <laughs> uh, Geekscapist, one last thing. Go to zombiecagefighter.com and contribute to that Kickstarter. Get yourself a copy of this handsome book. Um, as for Geekscape, we got something big coming up. December 12th, we have an all-day charity stream for the holidays, it's not just going to be me. It's just not, I mean, you, you don't want my Ray Romano ass talking to you for 12 hours or plus straight. It's going to be geek. It's going to be geekscape members from the entire podcast network. One hit thunder, the brand new uh, Christmas 365 show. We've got 21 donkey lane, 91 donkey lane. That's the name of our podcast. Um, we got the horror movie night kids. We got all sorts of people from all across the geekscape network. We're going to be doing a live stream. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you'll be watching it. Uh, that right there or on our Facebook and we're going to be raising some money for a very good charity. So more details are going to be next week on the show. I believe my friend Adam Mortimer who has a brand new sci-fi movie out is um, going to be on the show. So we'll talk to y'all then in the meantime, support Nate, follow him on Twitter, be respectful. He'll be respectful to you and he won't show up at your doorstep. Um, any other news? Not much to report. All right, geeks campus. I love you. Don't hate create again. All the Geekscape shirts in the store on limitedrun.com. Geekscape.com. Geekscape.limitedrun.com are up, and they're 10% off if you just put thanks in the coupon code, because I'm thankful for all of you. All right, Geekscapists, I love you so much. For Nate Corey, Geekscape forever, over and out. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 